0: Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. In this series, Kevin presents a summary of his best-selling book, The Foundations of Christian Doctrine. Visit KevinConnor.org for details about where to purchase this popular textbook. Well, we'd like to uh, welcome everybody here on this cold, cold night. Oh, well, wow. we have a warm heart, don't we? All right, uh, what we're going to do tonight... Uh, I want you to uh, turn your Bibles, to, first of all, to Psalm 8. And uh, just while you're doing that, uh, this is what we've been doing in our, our brief uh, uh, sessions here together. So the eight sessions, on our session number one, we deco- uh, covered um, Divine Revelation of the Scriptures in contrast to all the philosophies of men. And then in our session two, we looked at the God of the Bible. Many people believe in a God or gods, but is he the God of the Bible? And then last uh, week, we looked at the realm of the angels, the angelic realm, and then the fall of Satan and uh, having to do with demonology. The two sessions we're going to look at tonight is creation of man and entrance of sin, and then the Christ of God. So how many feel you've really been getting something out of the sessions? Uh, How many have done the course before? How many did the two-year course? Some of you did the two-year session. So I've I've had to condense two years into eight sessions, thanks to my dear Delgit. (laughs) Impossible. All right, so let's uh, turn our Bible to Psalm 8, and I'd like to read it from uh, New King James here. Uh, Just a couple of thoughts as we introduce our subject tonight. Uh, First of all, on the creation of man and the doctrine of sin. All right, Psalm 8 says, um, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength, because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, and here it is, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, uh, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea. I've never caught a fish in my life. I've caught a cold, but I've never caught a fish. So that that part is not suitable for me. Anyway, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. All right, now let's uh, just pick up uh, from where we were last week as we continue. So um, last week we sort of uh, did our little famous line here. So we went back to eternity, going back, way back into eternity somewhere in the ages of past, and then here was God in his uh, solitary loneliness, or his father, son Holy Spirit, and for his own divine purpose, he decided to create the angels. And so we have the whole of the angelic order, 312 and 70, and then the multitude of the angels. and then uh, we see uh, out of the archangels there was uh, three chief archangels, uh, Lucifer, Michael and Gabriel. And then one of the twelve fell. And so we have the origin and the fall of Satan and the fall of the angel, uh, a third, we believe, of the angels that fell with him. All right, now, what does God do now? As we move sort of, uh, not quite yet, but coming into a period called time, God decides to create another order of beings, and this is mankind. Mr. and Mrs. Adam, as we refer to them, mankind. And we find that as uh, mankind has that, this thing doesn't spell. Okay, and we notice in the, in the, uh, in the psalm we read, what is man that you were mindful of him? We want to answer that question tonight. And uh, then it says, you made him a little lower than the angels. So now when God decided to create man in his, for his own purposes and that, and... Uh, Uh, He he creates man as a lower order than an angelic being. So we have a lower order of creation. That's what we want to look at tonight. Now, let's go over to uh, the brief passage in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And uh, let's go to verse uh, 26, Uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse uh, 26 through to uh, uh, 28. And God said, let us, notice the plurality of the Godhead here, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air all which is mentioned in Psalm 8, and over the cattle of all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now notice the change from plurality in verse 26 to singularity in verse 27. Let, in verse 26 it says, Let us create man in our image according to our likeness. But then in verse 27 it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created He uh, him. And male and female... Uh, He created them. Let let me add this just for sheer delight. He did not create them uh, Adam and Steve, but Adam and Eve, male and female. Okay, not male and male and not female and female. So right there, that verse rules out homosexuality and rules out same-sex marriage and rules out lesbianism. Everybody said amen. Amen. Or Ome. Okay, then. Verse 28, then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, we haven't got time to develop this too much, but uh, uh, I'll just at least give you the seed thought. It's interesting to um, see the pattern that God has in the six days of creation. Uh, Each day prepares for the other day. So, day one. Uh, prepared for day three and day two prepared for day four and day three prepared for day six. So the first three days were the preparation of the house and then these three days were the occupants of the house. So uh, just interesting thought while we're on it here. Uh, God created beasts on the sixth day and he created men on the sixth day and that's why the number of the beasts which is the number of man, is 666 when you get to the book of Revelation. But it all began here. And then the seventh day, he separated this day from the other six days, and that was the day of rest. So, so uh, as we've got here, man is the masterpiece of creation. So the first three days were preparation of the house, so to speak, and then the last three days were preparation for the inhabitants. So uh, in the verse we read here, the passage we read here, uh, it provides us the... The, um, just a brief outline of the order of creation and consummates with the creation of man and the woman in the image of God. All right, now let's turn to your notes here, uh, which I've just read that part here. And I want you to notice eight things that God and the Bible tells us about the creation of man. And you've got to just a fill-in and a few words here. All right, number one, and I'll just uh, uh, give you a fill-in and there's may, maybe just a brief comment here. Man is a created being. Now, as we're going to see, I want you to sort of link up some of it with the angels were created beings. They were spirit beings. Man is a created being. So man is a created being and therefore he's uh, he's, he's not, uh, I mean, I don't believe in evolution, do you? Evil solution, I call it, or devolution. I mean, created being, you know, the finest looking monkey is an idiot beside me. And you too. In fact, when Adam was on his own before he woke up and found himself married, how many would like that? I I wish that would happen to all the young people. You'd have no dating problems, no uh, sex problem before marriage. Just wake up and find yourself married. But before that happened, you know, Adam saw Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe, Mr. and Mrs. Elephant, Mr. and Mrs. Hippo. And uh, he looked at all these animals and thought, they're all married, but I'm on my own. And so he sidled up to a gorilla, a orangutan, and he put his arm around that. He said, oh, I wouldn't monkey with you. So so God, I'm sorry, you know, this is not on my notes. God gave him a local anesthetic, knocked him out cold, and he woke up and found himself married. Easiest way. I wish that would happen today. It would save all the cancelling. I mean, the counselling. Some people do need to be cancelled, not counselled. Anyway, so man is a created being, all right? And because he's a created being, number two, he is a dependent being. So no such thing as independence. We are dependent on God for our very being. And I'll put down some appropriate scriptures there that I hope you'll read uh, before Jesus comes. Anyway, so a created being, therefore dependent. We owe our existence to God. So a man is a dependent being. Uh, number three, Man is an intelligent being. All those who said they were intelli- intelligent. Intelligence, amen. Uh, pretty good response here. Pretty sick over here. Um, I, I read this out of Tim LaHaye's book, just, just about the brilliance of the human brain. And he says uh, in, this, uh, in his book, Your Incredible Brain, he said, Your brain is the most complex mechanism in the world and the most influential organ of your body. It accounts for your ability to think, remember, love, hate, feel, reason, imagine, and analyze. The principal difference between you and animals, it is one organ without which you cannot sustain life. The average brain, how I many have got an average brain? Okay, The average brain weighing about three pounds contains 12 billion cells, each of which is connected to 10,000 other brain cells, totaling 120 trillion brain connections. No wonder I get a headache. <laughs> no wonder a scientist say that. The human brain is the most complex arrangement of matter in the universe. Some have compared the human brain to a sophisticated computer, but technology hasn't even come close to duplicating its capabilities. Dr Gerard Dirks, who holds 50 patents on the IBM computer, told me that he acquired most of his inventive ideas from studying the functions of the human brain. Commenting, commenting on its complexity, he stated, if we could invent a computer, That would duplicate the capabilities of the human brain. It would take a structure the size of the Empire State Building just to house it. Your brain supervises everything you do from the involuntary beat of, of your heart to the conscious decisions of life. It controls hearing, sight, smell, speech, eating, resting, learning, prejudices and everything else that makes you behave like you do. I mean, that's our incredible brain. No monkey, no animal in the world can compare with that. We were made in the very image and likeness of God. So how many feel good good about it already? All right, uh, number four, man is a moral being. Moral being. And by that, in the scripture I've given you from Romans chapter one, we have a conscience. We have a sense of guilt when we do something wrong. And conscience is just the sense of knowing right from wrong and we feel we're accountable to somebody. Where did this sense of uh, morality come from, the sense of knowing right from wrong? Uh, When we we get into our study a little bit more, every one of us actually have within us now, since the fall, uh, a tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's why some people are very good because they're feeding on the wrong tree and some people are very, very evil because there's that tree within us, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When Adam and Eve uh, ate of that forbidden tree, the seed of it is in all, every one of us. Uh, so man's a moral being, um, number one, two, three, four. Number five, man is a free will being. And because we're a free will being, the same same thing as we said about the angels. When God created the angels, he could have said, now, how will I create the angels? Uh, Create them as robots or zombies so they obey me automatically. Uh, There would be no pleasure in that. So God, as I said, I don't know how else to say this. He took what uh, I call a calculated risk of creating angels and man with a free will. And if you have the free will, it means you have the power of choice. And uh, uh, I was talking to somebody last night, saying they'd uh, been to a meeting where so so extreme that everybody's predestined to heaven or hell, or something like that. No, it destroys free will. It destroys uh, passion for souls, evangelism, missionary work, everything like that. Because uh, I said it gets into fatalism, extreme uh, predestination. So a man is a free will being, and Jesus often appealed to the will. Whosoever will. Let him come after me, whosoever will. Let him take up his cross and follow me, whosoever will. Let him drink of the water of, uh, of the uh, freely of the, of the water of life. He's always appealing to the will. So if you have a free will, you're not a zombie, not a robot. Then you have the power of choice. All right. And number six, man is also a love being. And uh, if you want to add one other thought here, man is a love being. Man was created by love, for love, to reciprocate love. In fact, uh, uh, love itself actually is a, um, let me put that, Uh, love itself is actually a triangle. So one, you had the lover, which is God, God so loved the world. And number two, you have man who is the loved. God so loved the world. God loved man. He created man. And number three, God wanted man to reciprocate his love. So, so love itself is like a, a trinity. It's like a triangle. Uh, we love somebody and uh, we hope they will reciprocate our love, love us in return. So God is love. God doesn't have love. He is love and he wanted to uh, uh, show his love to mankind. So uh, love is a triangle. So as I said there, uh, man, was, God, man was created by love for love to reciprocate love. We are love creatures. So we are to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength. So we are love beings. And then number eight, uh, seven. Uh, well, have I missed one? Seven? seven? seven. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's right. Man is a triune being. Now, in your, in your notes tonight, you've got a diagram of the triunity of man. And uh, you'll notice, if you want to put a, a little note here, uh, remember we said last week that God himself is a triune being. So uh, in the passage we read in Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. There's plurality in the Godhead. And uh, so because God is one God and yet he's a triune being, And he created man in his image. We are a triune being. So the three parts of us uh, is spirit. We are spirit beings. And number two, soul beings. And also body. So if you want to put a word beside that, the spirit is the God-conscious part of us. So everybody's born with a spirit. And as you see on your diagram there, uh, or you've probably got it on your notes, Yeah, the spirit is the God-conscious part of us. So, man is a threefold being in one. Man is a trinity in unity. Why don't we uh, turn over to the probably one of the main verses on that? First uh, Thessalonians chapter five. It's on your notes there. First Thessalonians chapter five. Now, there are some uh, theologians who believe we're only uh, uh, bipartite, not. tripartite but I believe the Bible teaches we are a threefold and so in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 23 it says "Now, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly or completely and may your whole spirit soul and body there's triunity there be preserved blameless Uh, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad for verse 24. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So being sanctified, wholly sanctified in spirit, soul, and body. All right, so if you want to put on your notes, the spirit is the God-conscious part of us. The soul is the self-conscious part of us. Uh, Anybody apart from me ever talk to yourself? (laughs) David did, you know, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Why art you cast down? O my soul. So soul is the self-conscious part of us, where we talk to ourselves, we're conscious of those things, and then the body is the sense, or the world-conscious part of us. And you'll notice on the diagram I've given you, this is uh, adapted from um, uh, Clarence Larkin's book here. But you'll notice the faculties of the of the Spirit. The, uh, the faculties of the Spirit are faith, hope, reverence, prayer, worship. God is the Spirit, and we must worship in, in, Him in spirit and in truth. So these are the faculties of the Spirit. And then we have the faculties of the soul, which are imagination, intellect, memory, reason, and affections. And then you'll notice that between the, the spirit and the soul, on your diagram there, comes the conscience. Everybody's born with a conscience, that sense of knowing right from wrong. It, we're born within it. No puppy dog has it, as I said last week. You know, you can give your doggy the Ten Commandments and say, thou shalt not steal the sausages, and he'll run off with the sausages and eat them and never feel guilty about it, because he's devoid of conscience. He's got stink, uh, uh, stink. Uh, no, what am I saying? He's got instinct and stink. Yeah, <laughs> He's got both. A doggy. No reflection on your dog, but there's no dogs in my heaven just to cheer you up. Okay, then the, uh, the faculties of the, the body, uh, sight, smell, hearing, taste, touch. In other words, the eye gate, the nose gate, the ear gate, the mouth gate, the touch gate. Now, while the thought's in my mind, because sometimes when I get to it, I uh, forget that thought. But you see, when the enemy approached, when the devil approached man in the fall, and that's what we're talking about here the doctrine of man and the entrance of sin, he approached through these gates. And Satan's approach is always body, soul, and spirit. God's approach is always spirit, soul, and body. You see, we are, I'm on a tangent here at the moment, we are redeemed in our spirit. We're being redeemed in our soul, mind, will, and emotions. The last thing to be redeemed is this old body. How many would like to see the uptaker and not the undertaker? Especially with the price of funerals. So I'm waiting for the redemption of my body. (laughs) Hurry up, God. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so spirit, soul, and body. So that's a good study. And uh, just for those who are picking up here, it's interesting to see today how you have uh, body cults, C-U-L-T-S, who uh, give their body over to alcohol, drinking, drugs, immorality, and also the sins of the body, uh, uh, body cults. And then you move from that, and there's a lot of what we call soul cults, C-U-L-T-S, who move in soul man, soul music, and uh, soul worship, and so forth. What the devil is really after is he wants your spirit, which is possession. And so we have the spirit cults who are moving into Satan worship, occultic worship, and uh, spirit worship, and spiritist church, and so forth, because he wants the man. And uh, God wants to redeem us. So we're redeeming in our spirit, hallelujah, being redeemed in our soul, and the last thing to be redeemed is our body. All right, so man is a triune being made in the image of God. God is one God, and yet he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, uh, I got this out of a book somewhere, I forget where, on, on theology, that uh, because people, sometimes we believe in one God here in City Life Church, uh, but in in the one God, there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, some people... Uh, Because of our finite minds, think of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Personally, I don't say that. Otherwise, when you get to heaven, who are you going to see? Are you going to see three separate gods? God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, sitting on three separate thrones. See, once you get into that, that gets into the big complex that a lot of the uh, 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 people who uh, idolize the Koran have difficulty. and say, you Christians worship three gods. No, we worship one God who has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, this uh, theologian put it this way, just as in us, there's only one Kevin Connor. Everybody said Hallelujah. But within my being, there are three centers of consciousness. Except when I was having an operation, I was unconscious. That was my fourth bit. Uh, Yeah. So uh, I, I have spirit consciousness, soul consciousness, body consciousness. Well, within the Godhead, this is a good way of putting it too. There's one God, but within the Godhead, there are three centers of consciousness, which are spoken to us in our finite understanding as the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit not three separate gods uh, which would be tritheism or idolatry and we don't, we don't do that we worship God who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit hope that's somebody who's intelligent here tonight thank you for that uh, uh, underwhelming response All right, and uh, you might like to put down one more thought before we move on here that uh, our whole being is likened to God's tabernacle. And so the spirit is the most holy place and the soul is the holy place and the body is the outer court. The two articles of furniture in the outer court were the brazen altar, blood, and the brazen laver, water, and the two elements of life in our our whole body is blood and water. So there's a whole stack of stuff there. Anyway, so I'd like you to say these things with me before we move on. So number one, I am a created being. All together. I am a created being. Number two, I am a dependent being. Number three. Some of you are not convinced. I am an intelligent being. I am a moral being. I am a free will being. I am a love being. I am a triune being. All right, then the last thing here is number eight. Man is the ultimate. The ultimate, uh, the masterpiece of all God's creation. Okay, man is the ultimate or the masterpiece of all God's creation. Made in the image and likeness of God. Wow, what an awesome thought. All right, now. Letter B. When we go down to, oh no, we turn over here. Yes, letter B. All right. Now, God's purpose for mankind. All right. Fourfold. If you want, if you want to uh, uh, sort of do it this way, you could, uh, because uh, this is very condensed uh, course here. But uh, hopefully to sow some seed here. So God's purpose for man was fourfold. So if you just want to sort of put down one, two, uh, three, four. One, two, three, four. And any thoughts that you want to put in there. Okay, so number one, God's purpose for mankind was number one, was character. When God said, let's make man in our image after our likeness, what is God like? As we saw on our first night, just the the God of the Bible, the attributes of God, the communicable attributes, holiness, faith, love, and all those attributes, that's the character of God, what God is. We're not talking about, as we said that night, not the essential attributes, you'll never be omnipresent, omnipotent, you'll never be all-powerful, you'll never be like God like that, but in character. So number one character, that could all go in the first column. The number two, uh, in fact, uh, the ne- next two words could go here, is relationship, fellowship. God created man to have fellowship. And we can see that in the book of Genesis because we're told in the cool of the evening, God walked and talked with Adam. So Adam, a- Adam had what we call an open heavens. There was no communication gap between man and woman and God. So in the cool of the evening, there was fellowship, there was relationship. And uh, that, that was part of God's purpose. So those two words and everything that's sort of related to that, relationship, fellowship, love, and everything like that, conversation, communication, everything like that. Then number three, the third column, the third purpose is dominion. Now, let me give you these are suggestions, so don't, uh, if you disagree with me, disagree uh, agreeably. okay. When, when, when God told man, he said, let's create man in our image after our likeness. And then God said, let them have dominion. So that's your third thing. Dominion over all the earth. Now, this is what I understand. And I understand the past, I think, because of what I see the future will be. As I understand it, when God created mankind, Mr. and Mrs. Adam, uh, how many to know it was Mr. and Mrs. Adam before the fall? It was not Adam and Eve. After the fall, Adam called his, wife, his wife's name Eve. But before the fall, he, in fact, some of you are looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. Uh, let, let, let's go to the Bible then, okay? Uh, Genesis chapter 5. Are you breathing out there? All right. Are you thinking? All right, so Genesis chapter 5, verse uh, 1 and 2. Genesis 5, verse 1 and 2 let me have some holy water and uh, it says here this is the book of the generations of Adam in the the day that God created man in the likeness of of God made he him male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam so Mr. and Mrs. Adam it's it's like when I married Reen she took my name and my money Now, you're laughing with me, not at me, okay, because all you married people, you know what it's like. Okay, so I better not say what what else I'm thinking. Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, dominion. So this is what I understand. So he blessed them, he created them, he blessed them and called their name Adam in the day they were created. Okay, so this is what I understand, that I believe that the uh, Garden of Eden was just a small part of the earth. It was a sort of a shadow on earth, of the heavenly paradise, the heavenly tree of life, and the shadow on earth, a small part of the earth, the Edenic earthly paradise. And when God said to Mr. and Mrs. Adam, I want you to be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion over the earth, I believe this was God's intention that God meant the whole earth, as Adam and Eve would multiply and have kidlets. Uh, Uh, They would multiply, multiply, and they would subdue the whole earth. Now, think of the language there. Have dominion over the earth and subdue it. What has to be subdued? So I believe God's intention was that the whole earth be made as the Garden of Eden through Adam's offspring. And that's where the dominion and subduing, because there was an enemy there that, that Adam and Eve didn't know yet. And that's a, and and how do I, why do I believe that? Because when Jesus comes back the second time as the last Adam, not the second Adam, he's the last Adam. Don't ever call Jesus the second Adam like a lot of preachers do. He's the last Adam because God sort of started with Adam and Adam and Adam and adam them all up until he got to the last Adam. (laughs) And he's the last Adam, but he's the second man. And he's going to have a bride, a new Eve, the church and this whole earth is going to be like the garden of the Lord. So what the first Mr. and Mrs. Adam failed to do, uh, the last Adam and his bride will do. That's worth a little baby hallelujah, unless you want to think about it first. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Help these people, Father, in Jesus' name. Okay. Then number four in your fourth column. Now, I'm just going to say a thought here, hit it, and run away. The fourth thing was reproduction. Now God said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now there's more in that than me see it because as I said last time, you know, we surf we surf the net, we, we surface read the Bible. But you think if Adam and Eve, who were the first sinless bride and bridegroom, had have had children, how many know they would have been like my two kids? Mark and Sharon, they would have been perfect. (laughs) Now, do you know what God's original intention was? That Adam and and Eve have perfect offspring. And with a perfect offspring, they would have populated this earth. Now, sin messed it all up. But do you think God's forgotten his original purpose? Do you think sin has messed up God's original purpose? I don't think so. I think there's something in redemption that's going to bring us back to God's original purpose. And God has a vast universe of worlds out there. Planets galore. Just for the sheer fun of it. Play marbles. No. <laughs> God's got some vast plan in eternity. That's all I can say at the moment. Don't throw it away. It's an interesting thought. All right. So reproduction. Be fruitful. Multiply. And now you'll notice the next sentence there. But. There was an enemy in the Garden of Eden. All right, now I want you to go to this next part here. How are we doing? We're doing okay. All right, now just think, we, we mustn't forget what we're sort of being condensed here. Back here in eternity, one of the archangels, I believe, fell, Lucifer, and he took a bunch of angels with him. Now, don't do this, but put yourself in Lucifer's position. As God creates this new order, lower than the angels, and a new, a new creation, a new type of species, uh, a, a, a man and woman with spirit, soul, and body. So they're not like angelic spirit beings only because angels don't have soul and body. But this is a triune man in the image of God. And I'm just trying to think what the devil was thinking. And uh, he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish earth. What, 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 what does God mean by that? Now, now Satan doesn't understand about that they're going to have little babies. Because the angels don't marry nor are given in marriage. Is everybody thinking along with me? But this, they're going to be fruitful, multiply, whatever that means. And maybe you got an idea. They're going to have babies. They're going to have kidlets. And they're going to reproduce themselves. And they're going to take over this whole earth. Uh, God said have dominion over it, subdue it. Now some expositors, and I think there could be a truth there, believe that Satan or Lucifer had uh, control over this original earth. That it was his planet. And now, if, if that's so, if, and these are questions I'm going to ask God when I get there, and I'm first on the line, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, that uh, if that's so, then Lucifer or the devil, he's pretty hopping mad. This couple, Mr. and Mrs. Adam, they're being given my planet, and they're to subdue. Subdue what? Oh, there's an enemy around. Hmm. I wonder if I can fix them and do in the garden what I did up with the angels. I believe he's hopping mad and jealous as jealous of this new creation, this new order, this lower order than the angels. So, okay, he says, I'm going to fix it because he hated God and he hates this man And this woman. And and remember, the devil is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because he hates every man on the face of the planet earth because a man represents the Lord Jesus Christ. He hates every woman on the face of the earth because the woman represents the bride. He hates all babies because the seed of the woman was going to crush his head and give him a headache. We've got to have a bigger, you know, enlarge our thinking here. All right, now, let's see what happens. So on page, oh, is it page two on your notes. You've got a diagram there with two trees on it. Is that right? Okay, now, uh, listen carefully to me here because Kevy's heavy rabbies, but I want you to think along with me. I want you to think what, 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 what we're looking at now. So we've looked at man, the creation of man, and now we want to look at the entrance of sin. All right, now, on your outline there, I want you to listen carefully to some of these things here because you've got some fill-ins. And, uh, uh, and I, I hope it helps you as a, this helped me many years ago because I used to think, why do we have to have the Bible? Why do we have to have the word priestess? And why do we get bashing with the Bible every week? And, you know, why, 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 why? I believe what I'm going to give you now in these next few moments will answer, hopefully, and it helped me. It strengthened me. It did something for me. And I hope it does the same for you that it did for me. Okay, so let's go now. Let us see the entrance of sin. Uh, let's go over uh, Romans chapter 5. I'd like you to look at this verse with me. And if you haven't marked your Bible, mark some things here. So Romans chapter 5. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read from uh, old authorize on this because I've got it marked. Uh, Okay, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, now think of this, sin entered into the world. Where did it come from? Remember I said Adam and Eve were not the first sinners. They were on earth. But the sin began in heaven. So sin entered the earth. Where from? That's what we're looking at here. And death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there's no law. Notice that's in parentheses. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure, the type, of him who was to come. So Adam was a type of Christ. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift, For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more through the uh, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more shall they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, and keep some of these words in mind, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. All right, let's hold it there for the moment. Okay, now, on your notes here, number one, the one commandment. So in Genesis chapter 2, when God placed man and the woman in the Garden of Eden, beautiful garden, full of beautiful, magnificent trees, there were two most important trees in that garden. And, and the history of the Bible and the history of the human race is wrapped around these two trees. You've got them on your diagram. Uh, am, am I shouting too much here? I, I just sort of feel I'm shouting, but I get excited about this stuff. So. Kevin, tone down. Just relax. Just play it cool. No, no, no. So we have the tree of the knowledge. Now, notice this because it, it's, the words are so important. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's mixture. It's not just the tree of the knowledge of evil. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's mixture. And, I mean, that's a whole hour message itself. A lot of Christians are still feeding on that tree. Is it good? Is it evil? Is it right? Is it wrong? Should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? Hey, we're supposed to be over to the tree of eternal life. Which tree are you feeding on? Which tree am I feeding on? Challenge there. So, and then the other side is the tree of eternal life. So, God said you can have all the trees in the garden. And even the tree of life was not forbidden. But there's only one forbidden tree. Now, notice one commandment. One thou shalt not. Now, for those who are picking up a lot of seed here, and I know I'm throwing the book at you. I don't want you asking for a refund. But when Adam and Eve transgressed the one commandment, they actually broke the ten commandments. Because the ten commandments were in the one. Do not steal. Did they steal? Do not take God's name in Oh, yes, God said we can do this, but we can't do this. Okay. Don't bear false witness. Oh, the devil! Ah, Adam made me do it. The devil made me do it. Guilt and blame go. When they broke that, when they broke the one, they broke the ten. The ten was hidden in the one. Okay. Food for thought. All right. Now number two, the serpent's temptation. Let's uh, let's turn over that uh, quickly here, uh, that, because it's going to help you on the Philians here. Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter 3. So we're looking at number two now, the serpent's temptation. So the one commandment, not ten, but the ten were in the one. You can eat of all the trees, but you're not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with a death penalty. In the day you eat, you'll surely die. Okay. Now, Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, there was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the, of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Let's hold it there. My mind has got so many things here. Okay. All right. Now, just put yourself in the position. You've got your diagram. Here's the two trees. Here's Mr. and Mrs. Adam. They've got the one commandment. Now, if Adam and Eve hadn't have messed up, they could still be alive. They could have lived happily ever after, right? Some of you are not convinced, okay. So now what is the serpent or Lucifer or the devil going to do? I want you to go over to most peculiar verse and I can, one of those things, I sort of hit it and run away. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I only do this because uh, it would take me an hour to do the thing properly. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11, where are we? Yeah, listen to this peculiar verse. I'm going to read it from old King James and new King James. So it says in verse 10, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 10, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. New King James puts it this way. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. I want to ask you something. What have angels got to do with women? What have women got to do with angels? Have you ever wondered what that verse is really talking about? Just just hold it in your brain a moment there. All right, so now, here's the devil, and he sees Mr. and Mrs. Adam. So he says, okay, this new creation, going to have dominion over there, subdue it. Maybe they're going to subdue me. So I'd like to do to them, see if I can do to them what I did in heaven with the angels. So Mrs. Adam we will say Eve, she's up this end of the garden. Adam's probably away down there. A surface reading of Genesis uh, can make you misunderstand. And so he doesn't approach Adam, he approaches Eve. He approaches the woman. She was last on the scene, wasn't she? <laughs> uh, I, better, I better settle this because you, I get to feel the vibes here. Uh, how many think uh, Adam was the worst sinner or Eve was the worst sinner? How many believe the woman was? She was the first sinner. Was she the worst? The, were women saying that? Uh, how many think Adam was the worst sinner? Yeah, listen, listen to the women, wow, wow. There's something for everybody in this, you know, shrapnel teaching. Uh, but, but you're right, because you see, we're told later on when, uh, when Paul brings some of the jigsaw uh, puzzle together, he said, Eve was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. He was a willful sinner. And uh, when I talk to him, when I get to heaven, I talk to Adam and Eve. It's it's ladies first, but I'm really going to give it to Adam. Because all the unborn generations were in his loins. So when he sold us out, he messes up. How many of you think we would get on the warfare? No, no, no. Okay, time is going. Dear, dear, what do I do? Okay, now, so here he is. Go down your diagram a little bit. Here's Mr. and Mrs. Adam. And on one side, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is going to bring death, cursing, and evil. On the other side, uh, the tree of eternal life will bring life, blessing, and good. Now, they have to make a choice. Now, what I've done on my diagram, if you circle the ground of unbelief and the ground of faith, maybe you'd like to put a circle around that, and I'll explain it. So just put a circle around those two. Now, this is, this is what's happening the enemy he wants to get them off of the ground of faith and obedience. You got that there? He wants to get them. Off the, and he wants to get them off of the ground of faith and obedience over to the ground of unbelief and disobedience. Now, let, 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 let's add another word that's not in your diagram. I've stuck it on mine. In other words, remember we said last, uh, last, year, last week, he started a rival kingdom. So he wants to get them out of the kingdom of God, tree of life, eternal life, and he wants to get them into his kingdom. See, what is the gospel? The gospel, when we preach the gospel, we say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And every time we want to see people come to Christ, we are trying to rescue them out of the kingdom of darkness and death and sin and sickness and evil and get them into the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace and joy. Amen? It's a conflict of kingdoms. That, that, that's the issue. And so the only way he can do it he wants to get them off of the right ground onto the wrong ground. From the ground of faith and obedience over to the ground of unbelief and disobedience on the wrong ground. So that's number four. So how's he going to do it? And he, here's your punchline on this because we're going to have to take a break in a few minutes. Um, do you know the only way he can do it is attack the word. Attack the law word. Attack the commandment. The commandment. He's got to attack that. So the only way he can do it is say, okay, God has given him one word. You can eat of all the trees in the Garden of Eden. You're not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die, death penalty. So he thinks that's the word. And you see, the word of God is the will of God. It was his law word. You know, when people say, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. Dum-dum, read the Bible. That was their one law. They were under that. And as long as there was obedience to that, they could have lived ever after. Okay? So he has to attack the word. Now I want to give you, can I do it? I want to give you seven steps of attack against the word. And the reason I'm doing this is because you see, it makes me and it helped me a long, long time ago realize the importance of getting back to the word. God wants to bring us back to the obedience from which Adam fell. He wants to bring us back to the obedience of the word. That's why we need the word. How many can say amen? Amen. Because the world is full of unbelief against this word. That's That's why we need. And when people come once a week and they say, well, what do you do the rest of the week? Do you even read the word? The old saying goes, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Okay, let's start, and then we'll have to have a break. I've got to be a good boy. All right, so, so what's happening now? The serpent comes in the garden. He comes to the woman. I'll come back to that later on. For this cause, or the woman have a, a power on her head because of the angels. We'll come back to that. You remind me not to forget to remember. So number one, the first thing he does, he's got to attack the word. And so number one, oops, where are we? Okay, there it is. Okay, number one, the first thing he does, Satan questions the word of... Uh, he questions the word, let's put it that way. He questions the word, and how does he do this? Has God said? And listen to this carefully. He put a doubt into the mind of, of the woman over the wood. Has God said? So... Maybe you could put this down too if you can. You see, the doubt is the father to the lie. He's going to lie later on, but he's just put. And see, as I said before, the devil's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still puts a doubt in people's minds over the word. Has God said, who wrote the Bible? Anyway, why you got so many translations? They all contradict each other. Look at all the churches. They all fight each other and they're supposed to have the same Bible and supposed to be going to the same heaven, but they don't get on with each other. See, the devil still does. He just puts the doubt. Well, I hope we settle that the first night. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. The devil fought it, but I got it. Hallelujah. Amen. So, step number one. Wish we had time to milk that. Put down 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, verse 3. And let me, uh, just before we take a break, and we'll continue on this after. Uh, listen to what it says here. Very, very important. Um, what did I say? 2 Corinthians 11, yes. And verse 3, yeah. Listen to And Paul says, But I've. Oh, I I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, what is your fear, Paul? Lest by any means, as the serpent deceived Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That's his fear. Eve was a type of the church, the bride. And he fears. And put this down then, and you'll take a break. Sin entered through the mind. Sin entered through the mind. That's why there's the biggest battle for people's minds today. That's why we need to be brainwashed with the Word of God. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more in-depth teaching on the foundations of Christian doctrine, See the new online video teaching courses by Kevin Connor with over 60 lessons. Visit kevinconner.org forward slash courses for details.